The text for the message this morning is Matthew 16, verses 24 to 28, and we'll read those verses together. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, seeing young people profess their faith gives us a feeling of satisfaction. It gives you the warm feeling you get when someone decides to move into your area or tells you that they feel at home and comfortable in your house or when a son or daughter decides to pursue the same career as you have chosen. It affirms you in what you've done. You want to assure them that they made a good choice to think like you do and you feel an urge to point out all the good things in your life. But what things does our Lord Jesus talk about in the Christian life? He talks about losing our lives, carrying our cross, and following a master that the world hates. He even rebukes Peter for setting his minds on the things of man when Satan led Peter to rebuke Jesus for talking about how he would suffer and die. After rebuking Jesus, after rebuking Peter, Jesus spoke to his disciples about anyone who might have the desire to come after him. Matthew 16, verse 24. And the words, if anyone would have the sense of if anyone wants to. And in this way, Jesus addresses people like you and I who truly desire to follow Jesus Christ. As we publicly profess our faith, we need to understand the consequences of binding ourselves to Jesus Christ as our head, bridegroom, general, and king. Like Joshua, who warned the people of the consequences of worshiping the one true, jealous, and holy God, so Jesus warns those who want to follow him in their lives that they have not chosen an easy path to walk on. If you want to follow the Lord who came from heaven to earth in order to serve and not to be served, you can expect a life of serving others. If you want to follow a victorious king who is removing the last pockets of resistance, you need to understand that you are a soldier who may need to give your life in battle. It may not look easy for Christ's disciples, but by God's grace, we may live each day of that struggle in the gospel that I preached to you today that our Lord Jesus said, lose your life for Christ's sake and you will find it. We'll see that he speaks of denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following your Lord. The idea of 
denying yourself. It's often associated with depriving yourself of something you really want. We might immediately think of those diets that help you to strengthen your self-control by teaching you to deny yourselves those unhealthy things that you may be craving. Or we, may, we might think of people denying themselves of their own enjoyment of their extra money and spare time so that they do selfless good works of service for others. Ironically, as the entertainment industry has discovered, both these ways of denying yourself usually are very good for your own soul because they improve your quality of life, they make you more confident in yourself, and turn you into a sort of hero for the people you help and for the people who see you helping others. As a result, when we, talk, when we hear of Jesus talking about denying ourselves, we might interpret it to mean that he is telling us to do some humble service for his name's sake that we can be proud of, which turns out to be exactly the opposite of how Jesus wants us to live our lives. Although Christians will seek to be healthy and generous, they are not focused on the temporary things of this life, the, the, the pleasing men, but on the eternal things of God and his kingdom. They're focused on fellowship with their creator. And in order to lift up our minds to the bigger picture that extends beyond this life on earth and into heavenly glory, our Lord Jesus urges his disciples to think about their souls. Your soul is a reference to your inner consciousness of your own existence, which continues even after you die and your body is buried in the ground. Many people speak about their soul as if it is a product or a commodity that belongs to them and that they can use to gain things in this life. We, we think it's my life to do what I want with. We proudly think that we are the best judges for deciding what we should do with our lives, with our souls. And then like a gambler betting his life on gaining the whole world for himself, we are tempted to sell our souls in exchange for the temporary things of this life. Jesus' instruction helps us to see that the choices we make about how we spend our time, how we spend our money, but what we will do with our lives, what priorities we will have, they will always have an impact on our soul. There are eternal consequences. Looking at things with that eternal perspective, with, with eternity in sight, we can see, as our Lord Jesus teaches us, that it's a very bad deal to exchange an eternal gift for temporary things. He says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Our sinful nature leads us to make very bad choices. And the only way we can save our souls is to entrust our lives into the hands of our Heavenly Father. The self-denial that Jesus talks about is much greater than the 
inner struggles that are common to every person who is seeking to live a controlled and sober life. When Jesus talks about self-denial, he is talking about acknowledging Christ as our only Savior. He's talking about dedicating every part of our lives into God's hands with that confession, not my will, but your will be done. After being rebuked for showing disdain for suffering, just after his confession about Jesus Christ, Peter learned that trying to save his own life would be to deny Christ. He couldn't have it both ways. You can remember him sitting around the fire in the courtyard and saying, I don't know Jesus. He saved his life for the moment, but he put his soul in danger. He couldn't have it both ways, and Jesus says, neither can we. To acknowledge Christ as our Lord, we need to give up being master of our own lives. And to confess with Paul, that was the text that was displayed as you were walking in today, Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When we set our minds on the things of God, then our own honor and our own comforts and even our own lives take second place to living in peaceful fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. In both the forms for public profession of faith and Lord's Supper, we describe this dying to ourselves as detesting ourselves and humbling ourselves before God. It means that when we truly deny ourselves, we confess how completely dependent we are on God's grace. And we acknowledge that if we had not been predestined, called, justified, and glorified by God, we would still be in our sins. We would still be living in rebellion against Him. Even when we stand up to publicly profess our faith, we do so speaking as those who are poor in spirit, dependent on God, who know our sins but find comfort in Jesus Christ. We don't stand up before everyone and say, I believe that I have the strength to follow Jesus Christ. But what do we say? Those well-known words of Lord's Day 1. I am not my own, but I belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. He paid for our sins. We confess, he has set me free from the power of the devil. He preserves me. He assures me of eternal life. He makes me willing to live for him. Only the Holy Spirit can lead us to, to see, acknowledge Jesus Christ. That's what our Lord told Peter. Only the Holy Spirit can lead a person to crucify the passions and the desires of the sinful nature, to submit to God's plan for our lives. Well, sometimes your desire to glorify God with your entire life in your work and relationships and worship, that will require you to do things 
that you don't want to do. There's a battle in your own heart. It will require you to flee from things that you actually really desire in your sinful nature. To have priorities and goals and entertainment that are completely different from the entertainment of the unbelievers in the world. There are consequences of denying ourselves. And Jesus tells us that anyone who wants to come after him as a disciple will also need to take up their cross. And when we hear the Lord Jesus tell us to take up our cross, we are immediately reminded of the Roman practice of making the accused carry at least the cross piece of their cross from the court of judgment to the place of execution so that he might be publicly shamed under the hateful eyes of the crowds. Jesus' words point forward to how he himself would die, how the chief priests and elders would kill him, and to what kind of reception his disciples could expect. In Matthew 10, verses 24 and 25, the Lord Jesus reminded his his disciples that they are not above their teacher. If they maligned their master, how much more will God's enemies malign those of his household? But Jesus makes a very important distinction between himself and his disciples. For he doesn't say that his disciples need to die on a cross. Nor does he say that disciples need to take up his cross, like Simon of Cyrene was compelled to do at the time of his death. But he says they have to take up their cross. You see, the significance of Christ's cross was completely different from our own. Unlike any other person on the earth, from from the beginning of the world to the end, Christ Jesus died on the cross as the Son of God to bear the punishment of God against our sins, the punishment that we deserved. He died once and for all. It's impossible for any human being to endure what he endured, to accomplish what he accomplished. And it's close to blasphemy to compare the the cross that Christ said you must bear to the cross that he died on. Although God will punish those who remain under his curse, if they don't accept Jesus as the substitute who bore the wrath of all who believe in him, the cross that Jesus said that his disciples must bear is not a punishment for sin. Our sin has already been punished in Jesus Christ. So what is our cross then? If it's not a reference to our death under the punishment of God. Sometimes the saying of Jesus is used in a very general way to speak about any suffering. So you might hear people say, well, it's just my cross to bear when they are speaking of a particular struggle or weakness in their lives that makes it more difficult to complete their daily tasks. The impression given is that that God is going around and sprinkling little crosses around on people to make their lives more challenging, sort of like the thorn in Paul's flesh. But such a view completely ignores the context in which Jesus addressed believers 
who wanted to dedicate themselves completely to God's kingdom rather than to focus on the things of men. The only people who have to bear their cross were the people who acknowledged Jesus Christ as their Lord. Our cross is the consequence of denying ourselves. And by telling us to take up our cross, Jesus is simply telling us to bear the hard consequences of our faith with humility and with fortitude. In this sense, every disciple of Jesus Christ bears the same cross because no matter who you are or or where you live, your faith in Jesus Christ will come at a cost. Taking up our cross means patiently enduring whatever difficult consequences there may be as a result of embracing your new life in Jesus Christ that he obtained for us by his death. In Luke, we read that Jesus told his followers that they must take up their cross daily, which means that he is talking about more than just the day of our profession of faith. What will it cost you, we ask? What will it cost you to have a soul that belongs completely to the Lord. Now the cost will look differently for different people in different places in the world. And we can't be black and white here. I think it's fair to say though that as a result of denying yourself and denying your own sinful desires, you will always be out of step with the world. For some, the cross or the hard consequence of their faith in Jesus Christ is being excluded from society. For some, in some countries, even today, there's a a prohibition on studying in universities if you are a Christian. Some can't get jobs because of their faith. Some are imprisoned. Many are even killed. For many of us today in Canada, it means being taken advantage of because of our honesty, being pushed aside because of our respect for others, being gloated over and ridiculed because of our humble confession of sin, our desire to live a godly life, our courage in in being different. Being bound to Jesus Christ as your Lord in general means that you will not be free to do whatever your sinful nature desires, no matter how attractive or how innocent the world will try to make it look. Disciples of Jesus Christ will never say, I am free to do what I want with my life, because they know that they are subjects of God Almighty. They are citizens of His kingdom who are in a constant battle against the devil, the world, and even their own flesh. And so, brothers and sisters, as we we sharpen ourselves as living members of a true church where there is faithful preaching and sacraments and discipline, and as we grow in our new life and our understanding of our new life through, through ongoing study of God's Word and through regular prayer, prepare to get exhausted in the struggle. Prepare to get frustrated with the persistence of sin in your own hearts. 
Prepare to be humbled by your weakness and realizing over and over again how much we depend on God's grace on the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ. How much we depend on His Holy Spirit to guide us. That's why our Lord Jesus told us to follow Him. The promise that our Lord Jesus gives as a guarantee is that whoever will lose his life for Christ's sake will find it. It's like saying that if you want to experience the new life of peace with God in Jesus Christ, you first have to leave your old life behind. Your expectations for the future, your idea, maybe plans for that beautiful life, whatever else ties you to your soul, to the temporary things of, of this world, it will hold you back from following our your Lord. Jesus even told Peter that that kind of thinking is a hindrance. And if you refuse to let go of the hindrances that are formed by setting your mind on the things of man, Jesus says you will, you will lose your life. It's, it's a guarantee. You might get some temporary pleasures You might maintain some semblance of comfort or riches here on the earth, but then the eternal King will return in glory, in the glory of His Father with the angels. We read He will give back to every person according to what He has done. It's a quotation of Psalm 62. If you look at the other Gospels, they make it clear that Christ will acknowledge before the Father all those who denied themselves by entrusting themselves to Christ Jesus. He will will tell the Father about how you denied yourself, how you bore your cross, and how you followed Jesus Christ into glory. And then you find your life. To understand what it means to follow our Lord, to, to come after our Lord. We can imagine the scene of sheep following a shepherd. Like sheep under the care of their shepherd, we belong to Jesus Christ. We are called by Him. We recognize our needs. We hear His voice. We believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Following Jesus Christ is something that we want to do. It's our greatest desire. When we hear His voice, we trust Him. We know that our shepherd knows better than we do about what is best for us. So we deny ourselves. Like sheep following after their shepherd, we believe the Gospels that tell us of how Jesus Christ was on the earth and how He went before us. We believe that He fulfilled all righteousness, that He bore the punishment for the sins we committed, that He rose again, that He blazed a path for us to walk in, following after Him in obedience to the Lord our God, thankfulness for the fellowship we may enjoy with our Creator. We take up 
our cross and we, we follow Him, even if the way is very steep or challenging. Like sheep behind a shepherd, we are loyal to Him with our lives because we can see that He cares for us. And when we are too afraid or too tired to do the right thing, He stands beside us through those loving shepherds in our lives, through our friends, through our parents, through our elders, through our ministers who encourage us. When we stumble or fall in our sins, He is patient with us. He, He picks us up so that we can continue. When we turn away from the path, he, he disciplines us through his servants. As Jesus' disciples who come after him, we are seeking his blessing in our lives. We learn from him by seeking to live according to the calling we have received as citizens of an eternal kingdom. We could see our shepherd as the one who will come back, who will take us to himself. We will understand what our Lord meant when he said that those who lose their lives for my sake will find life. For there is nothing that gives a human being more joy and more satisfaction than living our lives in fellowship with God, living for his glory. Jesus' words in the final verse make it clear that he is never idle Things are continuing to happen. He says some of those standing near him would see the beginnings of the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And so there would be no doubt that his work would continue until the Lord Jesus comes back in the same way that we saw him go in the glory of his ascension. This is the context. This is the picture that we have when we make our decisions about our lives, about our activities. True disciples of Jesus Christ will joyfully follow him by committing their lives completely into his care. They will know that there is nothing in heaven or on earth that they can give in exchange for their soul. So rather than keep it to do what they want with it, they will hand it over to God for safekeeping, bearing whatever consequences their decision will have in the certain knowledge that it is always better to be with God than to be far from Him. Peter, who made that good confession before our Lord Jesus Christ, and almost lost his eternal life when he denied the Lord Jesus Christ, stands for us as a warning that we don't stand up in any arrogance here today. Yet, as we see how Jesus forgave Peter when he repented and how Jesus restored him to service in the kingdom, we can also see the the goal of our faith, which is to serve God today and for all eternity. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. We live by grace. While as pastors and parents and siblings, friends, Family members, fellow members of the the body of Christ, we are filled with joy to see these young people publicly professing their faith in Jesus Christ. We We are overjoyed like fellow soldiers on a battlefield, are filled with joy to see more soldiers. 
Even as we are exhausted and worn out ourselves in the struggle against sin, we draw you beside us into the trenches of spiritual warfare against sin and the devil because we know that it is only through denying ourselves and taking up our cross with, with fortitude that we will find the fullness of life in the love of God in Jesus Christ. Even if the consequences of following Jesus require us to lose our life, to, to cut our attachment to all the physical things, temporary things of this world, we know, we know that we will find our life when we are in Christ. May God help us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Christ our Lord into glory forever. Amen. We'll now sing together that Lord's Day 1, uh, put to music hymn 64, that I am not my own, but Christ who fully paid. Hymn 64 stands as 1 and 2, uh, standing if you're able to stand. Mm -hmm. 